The recording that you're about to listen to is a talk from the City Bible Forum. We would appreciate you respecting our copyright by not making copies of this talk or altering the content in any way. We hope that you find the material beneficial. If you would like more information on the City Bible Forum, you can visit us on the web at citybibleforum.org. Thanks, Tor. G'day, everyone. Uh, well, I don't know about you, but uh, I remember my school camps back in, in high school days, and I think of orienteering. Uh, I really loved orienteering. There was something about uh, walking around the forest. Uh, it's not turning on. There we go. Walking around the forest, looking at a map, keeping track of where you are, where you're going, plotting out your course. It, it, there's something about it that just makes me, well, happy, I guess. I, I just really kind of enjoy it. Uh, and I particularly remember one year uh, where we split up into teams uh, and we were trying to navigate our way around Penrose State Forest, pictured behind me, uh, looking for checkpoints uh, in teams of about four, competing with other teams of about four. And of course, the idea was to get as many points as you could uh, over the course of the day. Um, and I just, I just remember that at the end of the day, realising actually it wasn't just about getting from A to B yourself. Part of the challenge was that you were doing it as a team. Uh, now I have enough distance from my school camps just to be able to remember them with rose-coloured glasses as my default position. But when I think about it, actually, they could be tough. Uh, maybe high school is different for you, but some of the people that you go to high school with, or that I went to high school with, uh, were, were weird uh, some were difficult, and some just had really different ways of doing things to me. Uh, and, you know, when you only have to deal with some of these people for, you know, a couple of hours a week in a few different classes, it's, it's not too bad. You, you, you're fine. You can get on with them. It's not too problematic. However, when you're with them for an extended period of time, like a school camp, you're living with them day in, day out, well, those relationships can start to wear thin. And on top of that, particularly when things have started to go wrong, you're hungry, you're exhausted, maybe you're sunburnt, uh, it suddenly gets a lot easier to start complaining about people, tearing them down, uh, trying to make them fall in line just to do things your way. So when you come to the task of orienteering after a long week together, uh, you actually needed uh, to plan how you were going to get to where you were going, not just the physical plan, but how you were going to do that as a team. And actually, it's amazing how many parts of life are kind of like that. Uh, how you deal with people during the ups and downs of life. That, that's a large part of, of what we have to do. Uh, most of us have come from uh, companies that have, oh, there's a exhausted after your long day at camp. Uh, most of us have come from companies where we'll have vision statements. Uh, now, you might not remember your vision statement. It was a thing that they probably ran through you, uh, through with, uh, through you on your first day at HR, and you've probably never looked at it again since then, unless you know you had to really justify an unpopular decision that you've made. Uh, but at least the theory is that a vision statement, it, it kind of guides the way that you act, the way that you conduct business and act in the workplace. It, it's sort of some higher principles just to help you think through, well, what, what do I do in the different situations that I face? But I don't think it's just a company thing. I, I mean, I think we all have vision statements of one kind or another. Uh, some of us will have clearer guidelines that we've thought about, you know, how we'll interact with different people. Um, some of us might just vibe it out. But either way, we've kind of got our own personal vision statements or guidelines about how we interact with people, or at least how we intend to. Uh, 
And today, in today's passage, uh, we're thinking about one particular area of life and we're asking, how do you deal with people as you travel through the ups and downs of life? Uh, We're looking at this next part of Paul's letter to the Philippians and getting a microcosm of of how Paul says Christians are to relate to each other um, to help us grapple with the question, how do we relate to other people as we travel through life? And the answer is in humility. Uh, In case uh, you missed Tor's welcome earlier, let me add to the welcome. Welcome, glad that you can be here. And particularly if you're new or visiting Great to have you along. You've joined us in the middle of our series called Insider Information. Uh, Insider Information because it's a letter from a man named Paul who was on the inside. Uh, He was in prison and writing a letter to a group of Christians he knew in the town called Philippi, about 60 AD. He's sort of on the coast of Greece there, uh, and there are some of the ruins of ancient Philippi. That's where Paul was writing to. Uh, and so it's a letter from one follower of Jesus to a group of followers of Jesus. And so particularly if you're here today and you don't follow Jesus, welcome. Great that you can be here. Uh, we love your questions. We love uh, being able to interact with you and help you think through uh, some of these things. But maybe one of a, a helpful way to approach this talk um, is that it's kind of getting, I guess, behind the wheel of what it's like to be a Christian. Kind of looking at, well, how does one particular Christian, Paul, view the world and say other Christians should view the world as well. So it's a chance to see you know, what the world looks like from behind the eyes of a Christian and maybe compare that to where you're at now. Uh, but also, if you're someone who has to deal with people on a regular basis, which I'm guessing is most of us, uh, this passage has really good input for us to think about, well, how do you get on? How do you relate with people as we travel through life? Uh, this is also quite a big passage. There's a lot in there. We're not going to be able to touch on everything that's in there. Um, but please feel free to bring up stuff in question time if I don't uh, get to address it as we work through the passage. Well, in Philippians, in this uh, part of the Bible we've been looking at, uh, we've been seeing how the message of Jesus has impacted on Paul and the people who he's writing to. And he's been saying to them, you need to live a life that's worthy of the message of Jesus. Uh, Now, the guts of the message of Jesus is Jesus died in our place so that we could be forgiven. So Jesus died in our place so we could be forgiven and then Christians are called to live life worthy of that message. And this week's passage is challenging us to think about, well, how do we live with people? And particularly, how do we live with other Christians as we travel through the ups and downs of life if you're a follower of Jesus? And Paul says, humility. And that's a a question that we Christians, we need to grapple with because I guess like high school, uh, you know, being being a Christian can be great, until you have to start spending time with other Christians because, you know, from the quirky to the boring to the infuriating, doing life with other Christians can actually be tough. It can be a real challenge. But Christians are called to do life together. The message of Jesus isn't just for me. Uh, it's for you and, and it's for everyone around us. It's, it's for others as well. Christians are part of a community with other Christians. So Paul, he, he kind of does a bit of vision setting here today. He gives the Philippians some navigational aids so that together they can live lives worthy of the message of Jesus. Uh, so point, we're going to answer, have a look at this question uh, as well in the three points, which are there in your outline if you're someone who likes to take notes as we go along. Uh, we're looking at uh, planning the journey. Uh, where did that go? There we go. Planning the journey, the point on the horizon, 
and keep going. Now, when you're planning a journey, a key part of the, the process is actually figuring out, well, where am I starting from? Uh, if I wanted to drive down to Kiama for a holiday, uh, there's not much point getting directions from the CBD if I'm actually starting the journey out at Blacktown. The whole first half of the trip just isn't actually going to correlate. It's not going to help me get there. You need to work out where am I starting from. And for the Philippians, the starting point is the message of Jesus and what it means they've been given. Paul says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So remember, the message of Jesus is that Jesus died in our place so that we could be forgiven. And this message we see here, it includes the fact that we've received encouragement and love, sharing in the spirit, tenderness and and compassion. These are all things we have received and that we have if we follow Jesus. And so this attitude of humility that Paul is calling the Philippian Christians to, to live out, it starts by recognizing what you have been given. We didn't deserve it. It's been given to us. And because we've been given so much, actually, it makes sense to to live in a similar way. It's kind of a pay-it-forward idea. Uh, Did you notice that uh, there's the repetition of that idea in verse 2, that being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind? There's a couple of parallels there. Uh, In verse 1, Paul says, if any comfort from love. And then in verse 2, having the same love. Or verse 1, if any common sharing in the Spirit. Verse 2, being one in Spirit. So the message of Jesus and the undeserved gifts that we have, they flow from what we've received to what we give, to how we live. There's more to planning a journey, of course, than just your starting point. Uh, Sometimes you actually need to be aware of hazards to watch out for on the way. Uh, Earlier this year, you may remember that a bus caught fire on the Harbour Bridge. And if you were working in the city and trying to travel home north of the bridge, well, you find out that noise that a bus has burned down on the bridge and you know, okay, the bridge is closed. That's not going to be an optimal way to get home. I'm going to have to go a different route. If you're aware of hazards, you'll plan to avoid them. And and that's what Paul does there in verse 3. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of others. Now, these these two hazards, uh, selfish ambition and vain conceit, they're they're worth teasing out a little bit. I think we often recognise that vain conceit, uh, you know, that that distorted, overinflated view of yourself, uh, we recognise that's a bad thing. You know, if we think of that uh, stereotypical person who may well be talented, but really just has massive tickets on themselves, you know, whether it's a, you know, surgeon, a barrister, an investment banker, a CEO or or someone. Not that those, you know, everyone who has those jobs is, you know, has a distorted opinion of themselves, but, you know, that stereotypical character. If you think of them, you go, we know that that's bad. We know that's not what we want to be like. But the problem is actually we all kind of tend to that overinflated opinion of ourselves. Uh, This man, Thomas Gilovich, uh, 
he did a study, uh, he was from Cornell University, he did a study on a million high school students and he found that 70% of them thought they had above average aptitude in leadership ability. And in fact, only 2% thought they were below average. Because 98% thought that they were at least average or better. Uh, all of them thought that they were above average in their ability to get along with people. Just statistically, it doesn't work. And it's not just high school students. Uh, 94% of professors thought that they were better at doing their job than the average. So this tendency to have an overinflated view of ourselves and our abilities, it's kind of endemic to who we are. We need to plan to avoid it. Uh, but vain ambition as well, you know, that, that's a bit different. We actually live in a country and a culture that really values ambition, so much so that it's kind of a cliche to walk into a job interview and identify, I'm ambitious. But Paul warns Christians against selfish ambition. There's nothing wrong with being driven. Uh, Being driven by the right things is good, but, but selfish ambition, Paul warns the Philippian Christians, being driven by building yourself up, puffing yourself up, making yourself great, that's something to be avoided. Instead, Christians are called to have an attitude of humility. Christians are called to have an attitude of humility towards other people and particularly towards other Christians as we travel through the ups and downs of life. And actually, humility is kind of worth considering even if you're not someone who follows Jesus. Uh, In his classic study from 2001, Good to Great, uh, Jim Collins identified, you know, what were the great, the common features between great companies, companies that outperformed the market trend by at least three times over a 15-year period. And one of the things that he found was what he called level five leadership, which was characterized by two things, steely determination and humility. That's really interesting that, that humility was up there in these great companies as one of the key defining characteristics. So it's that attitude of, of knowing who you are, but being willing to lower yourself for others. It's the same kind of root word as humiliation, that sort of lowering word, except humiliation we kind of tend to mean someone brought you down when you didn't really plan it, whereas humility is, is choosing to lower yourself. Uh, if you want to think more about the concept of humility, uh, this book, Humilitas, uh, I've got a copy of it here. This is Al Stewart's copy, well uh, loved and highlighted. If you want to have a flip through later, please feel free to. Um, it's a great little read. It's by uh, an author, John Dixon. Uh, he's a Christian. He's also a historian. Uh, and it's not an overly religious book. Uh, but he examines the history of the term of humility, how he came to recognize its value in society, and he even has some tips on how to be more humble. So Christians are called to avoid the hazards of selfish ambition and vain conceit and to instead live in humility. That's sort of the stuff that we use as we're planning our journey. But as you continue, as you go through the ups and downs of life, uh, it's helpful to have other navigational aids as well. And Christians are called to keep looking to Jesus. Uh, If you thought driving around Sydney was tough, uh, have some pity for the pilots who have to fly around Sydney. Uh, that's a, the visual terminal chart for pilots who are trying to navigate around Sydney. There's a lot of information on there. It includes the extra dimensions of height and how to navigate those and where you're allowed to fly, the radio channels, uh, where places you need to avoid. There's a lot of information on there. 
Uh, and on top of all that, if you're flying a plane, the conditions are variable on the day. You could have a planned uh, route you're going to follow, uh, but a strong wind can blow you off course. And so pilots have different tricks to help them keep navigating, even amidst the difficult conditions that they fly in. And one of those tricks is to fix your eyes on the point of the horizon. Because if you point your plane towards that point, even if the wind is going to keep blowing you off course, even if it takes you longer to get there, you'll keep tracking towards the goal. So usually picking out something like a mountain that's sort of a, a really identifiable feature on the horizon, uh, that's a, a good tactic. And Paul wants Christians to do something similar. We see there in verse 5, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so Paul says they should look to Jesus as the supreme example of of what humility is like uh, when they think about how they interact with each other. Jesus, he's the complete opposite to, I guess, the normal human pattern. Uh, The background to the message of Jesus is that while all humans were made in the image of God, they were tempted to be like God, and, and they bought into that lie. They bought into that warped and in, overinflated view of who they were, and when they did, they became slaves to sin. They disobeyed, and then they died. And ever since then, that's the condition that people, all people everywhere, find ourselves in. We're slaves to sin and destined to die. But Jesus was the very opposite of this selfish ambition and vain conceit. He was in very nature God, yet he didn't grasp at equality with God. He didn't use it for his own advantage. Instead, he used it in service of others. You see, where where people like us were enslaved to sin, Jesus willingly took on the nature of a slave. That word servant could just as easily be rendered slave. And when we were disobedient, it led to our death. Yet Jesus was obedient up to the point of and including death. So for Christians, you know, as we continue through life, uh, difficult situations will come up. We'll bump up against each other. We'll have our own thoughts and feelings about how things should go. We'll want to to build ourselves up. But Paul says, no, keep looking to the example of Jesus who used his position, his power in the service of others. It's almost like taking that mountain and putting a cross on it and saying, keep looking to Jesus. But of course, the message of Jesus doesn't end on the cross. Uh, The message of Jesus says that it ended with God raising Jesus back to life, to eternal life, where he is now ruling everything. Paul says there in sentence nine, therefore... God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so for Christians, Jesus is our King, we are Jesus' people, and people obey the King. And and the King says, live in humility with each other. As you go through the ups and downs of life, Christians are to be humble like Jesus was humble. 
And that call to humility, I don't know about you, but it feels like a really hard ask. Uh, And it, it is a difficult task. Living with each other with an attitude of humility, valuing others above ourselves, it's hard work. Um, And so, point three, uh, Paul wants us to keep going. And he actually gives us some quality trail mix uh, to encourage us to keep going as we continue through life, to keep living with each other humbly. Uh, So we're going to blitz through these four ingredients uh, that we see here. So the first one's in verse 12 to 13. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You see, if you follow Jesus, you know that Jesus is king, you know you have salvation, so keep living that reality. Living together in loving unity with other Christians, it's not a pointless task because because that's God's plan for his people. That's the reality he has planned. Keep living out that reality because you know that if it's God's plan, it'll reach the end that he has planned. Relationships with other Christians, they may be difficult. They, they can be really tough. Uh, it may sometimes seem like they don't progress forward or at all. Uh, they may even seem to go backwards. But if God has planned to save us as a people then actually we know it's worth continuing to relate to each other with humility. It fits with God's plan for his people. Uh, The second bit of the trail mix there in verses 14 and 15, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. See, Paul reminds the Christians in Philippi, you're all part of the same family. You're part of God's family. Uh, one of the great tragedies uh, that I really is really sad to see is when families are fighting and tearing each other apart. And Paul says, well, don't, don't grumble and argue with members of the family tearing each other down. Because actually, the alternative is a beautiful thing. Actually, when a, when a family keeps relating well in humility, not, not pretending away issues that are there, but continuing to actually love and be humble with each other, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. And, and it's one of the uh, defining features of God's family. Uh, the third bit of the trail mix, it flows on. Uh, he says there in the second part of verse 15, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Uh, now, again, it's another image of beauty, of, of how amazing they will look when they keep living together in uh, humility like this. But I wonder if there's also a hint of it being a bit of a navigational aid for others. Uh, In the ancient world, people used to navigate using the stars. And I wonder if if one of the things Paul hints at here is that as they keep living together in humility, they'll actually point people back to Jesus, back to God, uh, and the salvation that is ultimately available in him. They're, They're living out their salvation and they can hold out that gospel message. And it's a beautiful thing. Maybe if he was writing to a contemporary audience, he'd say something like, may you shine out like the GPS on a dashboard at night. Just as that hint of helping people get home, to get to where they need to be. Humility points other people back to God. And I guess the final part of the fuel for the journey is verse uh, 17 and 18 there. He says, 
Uh, and then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. If they live lives of humility, looking to the interests of others uh, as well as their own, then, then Paul will be able to boast on the day of Jesus. I got to play my part in getting them here. The end goal, uh, and, that, and that's God's work as well, that, he, that Paul has a, a chance to be part of playing. If the end goal is salvation on the day when Jesus returns, well, well then the hard work is worth it. And I think Paul, Paul demonstrates this attitude himself, and he knows it's hard work. You know, he says there, you know, I can say I ran, I labored. It was hard, but they're here. And so seeing them actually live that out, even though it's tough, even though it actually requires effort on his part, well, the fact that they're actually continuing to trust in Jesus and he's actually playing a part in that, well, that makes it worth it. It's something he can rejoice in. Humility that Christians show towards each other while we wait for Jesus' return will not be a waste of time. It's hard work, but Christians have great reasons to keep persevering with an attitude of humility, even when it's tough. And so to conclude, where to from here? If you don't follow Jesus, you, you know, you might be interested in looking a little bit closer at the sort of humility Jesus showed. And so we actually have a couple of copies of, uh, of some of the biographies of Jesus on the back table. So feel free to grab one as you leave. Uh, but you may also want to sit down with one of the City Bible st- Forum staff like myself or Tor uh, or, or one of the other staff and read through it with us together. Uh, you might not be convinced that, you know, Jesus is worth reading a whole lot more on yet, but maybe humility as a virtue, maybe there's something intriguing there. Maybe you'd like to think a bit more about that. And, and if so, well, what, what basis do you have to continue to be humble even when it's tough, even when people don't show a similar attitude towards you? Uh, again, if you'd like to sit down and chat about that, I'd be more than happy to. We've got some forms on the back table that you could, uh, could fill out there. But if you are a Christian, uh, I think that we actually see here in this passage, there's actually a lot, there's actually a lot for us to take away uh, for interacting with other Christians, but also as we go back to the workplace. See, as we go back to the workplace, it's hard. It, it is hard. It's hard to be humble in the workplace when you've got people who are pushing their own agendas and pushing against you. How do you be humble in that? Well, first off, I mean, humility is not the same as being a doormat. Actually, if we're looking to the example of Jesus, uh, we see his humility supremely at the cross, but we see it right throughout the Gospels. Uh, Jesus isn't afraid to tell people no, uh, to, uh, to actually not go with their agenda when actually the best interests are uh, are something else. It doesn't mean being a doormat. But actually, we uh, have a grounding to not be uh, selfish or vain uh, in what we pursue in the workplace. Uh, it's not wrong to, you know, to, have a, uh, to advance in your career, but actually we can chase after that with, with a right attitude. Uh, if I get that higher job, it's not so that other people can lift me up and other people can see how great I am, uh, but it's a chance to actually use that title and that position in service of others. Uh, as Christians, we actually have great benefits. We 
have Jesus to look at uh, in learning to be humble. Uh, And we have great encouragement to keep on going in interacting particularly with other Christians, but also around the workplace and in other situations as well. Uh, All because of the message of what Jesus has done for us. Yeah, yeah. So, so just for the recording. So the question was, uh, we have an attitude of selfishness. And so how can we be humble without having the attached attitude of resentment that comes, that comes with it as well? Which is a really good question. I, yeah, I, sometimes I think it's a challenge. And I, I think because my, it's something I struggle with as well, because my tendency is to be a bit of a people pleaser and just to say yes and then go, why on earth did I say yes to this thing? Grr, I shouldn't be doing this, blah, blah, blah. Um, as I've been chewing it over, I wonder if part of it is that humility is giving, giving and loving in humility is actually, in part, a giving out of the excess of what we have been given in Jesus. So sometimes it, it is going to be uncomfortable and it is tough, uh, and that, that's going to be hard. It, at one level, it's right that we're going to struggle and find it difficult, um, but actually, like being generous, I think there is a call. You know, you, you can't you can't go beyond what your your capacity is. I guess you know you. You can't, you can't give, uh, you can't be in two places at once. If you have particular responsibilities, uh, you know, at one level it might be wrong to say, to say oh yes, I'll, I'll help this other person out to the neglect of my own responsibilities. That's the sort of thing that's actually going to lead to resentment. So I actually wonder if having a, uh, uh, a helpful understanding of, of what our role and what our responsibilities are, uh, that helps us to actually be uh, genuinely humble because we can give freely. We know what we, we have to do. We know what our responsibilities are, and we're going to be doing those in loving service of others. Uh, and so if things are asked of us, we, we can actually think, you know, do I say yes to this? Do I say no to this? Um, being humble, I don't think, means just saying yes to everyone who asks something of you. Sometimes it might mean recognising, I, I can't actually do that um, because I have these other responsibilities that, that are legitimate. Um, so it, yeah, it's not quite a, yeah, there's, there's a difficulty there because Sometimes, yeah, I know I confuse um, being humble with people-pleasing. I think that's a thing to be careful about. Hmm. The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.